You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio podcast number 61. It is Monday, August 31, 2020. And after offering the dawning of the age of Aquarius takes 90 plus years, we now present the astrology of American royalty 2020 and the Zodiac address. This new podcast includes the chart for the beginning of President Trump's Republican Party acceptance speech at the White House on the evening of Thursday, August 27, 2020 and the birth chart for President George W. Bush from July 6, 1946, plus the two-page images from our Welcome to Planet Earth Astrology magazine from the Aquarius 1995 issue 25 years ago that included a special feature entitled The Zodiac Address. Overall, this is the 61st podcast offered to the public since 2019. Please bear with me as I share this rather incredible story. Now I say incredible because I've been involved with astrology for 47 to 48 years, metaphysics and arcane subjects for another year or two, pretty soon it'll be 50 years. So there's always extraordinary synchronicity and you can go back to all these different podcasts. You'll see the various covers of Welcome to Planet Earth, the magazine I was fortunate enough for 20 years, from 1981 to 2000, to be the publisher of, the editor of, with great astrologers. And if you go to the website, www.greatbearenterprise.com, you'll see our complimentary sections. Particularly, I'm going to mention um, with this topic, um, the global hotspot that I have just written about the Virgo Pisces full moon that's going to happen tomorrow, September 1 into September 2, depending on your time zone. Very important in terms of the zodiacal placement of the sun and moon. And also the previous new moon global hotspot when the sun and moon merged on Donald Trump, President Trump's Mars degree, which is also, that's at 27 of Leo, which is exactly opposite where the moon and Pallas Athena were when the United States was born at the Declaration of Independence back on July 4th, 1776. Again, we've got dozens of podcasts all the way back to May 2019. They are either where you get your podcasts, but on our website at greatbearenterprise.com, there's special folders with charts and images. That's where you really will want to go at some point to see all of these important charts. Now, as I just said, there's a chart I'm calling American Royalty, question mark, uh, for when the president gave his speech at the White House. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, just before starting this, I started realizing, and this happens very often, uh, you know I, if you've listened to my podcast, of course, on our new app, there's the five-minute astrology in five, which are very small ones based on Mysteries of Venus, the book that I wrote uh in 1986. So if you want short, very friendly Venusian uh, and very inspirational 
short podcast, you want to get our app, which is Astrology Cosmic Calendar, three words, Cosmic Calendar, separated, uh, those two words, Calendar with a K, which is free each day to read about the Cosmic Calendar, but for pennies a day, you can subscribe, and I've been doing this for 39 years now, and the Cosmic Calendar, as I've been sharing, we are all walking Cosmic Calendars, and so beyond your own transits, beyond your own progressions, beyond your own natal chart, we all interact with one another, and everyone who's ever lived, living now, or will ever live, we are all frozen in time, cosmic calendars of what is happening every moment and every day in the sky. So this is a suggestion. Do not forget about the cosmic calendar and its importance. Don't just think you know astrology. If you know your chart, you get into transits, progressions, either whoever you have as a professional astrologer. And of course, on, our, on, on the website, in our astrology shop, aside from the reports, which you can order that are not that expensive, 15 different kinds of reports about the asteroids, about your transits, progressions, things like Skylog, time, Timeline, many other different reports. Those are computerized. And as long as you know your month, day, and year, and your time in particular, or a very close time in your city and state, except for the numerology report where you only need to give us your full name at birth and your month, day, and year at birth, all the other reports you need to give city and state, you need to give time, and so on. Uh, but there are consultations, and I've been doing personal consultations for 47 years. And at the same time, um, that can they're more expensive, of course, and you should only do it if that's something you really want. And of course, many of you have your own astrologers or do it yourself. So I'm, I'm trying to put across the board stuff here because we're, we're going back to something that was not my creation, but something I wrote about, and I'll explain that. It's called the Zodiac Address. And every single place, wherever we work, wherever we live, mostly this is in terms of your residence and wherever you've moved and the, and the numbers, the kind of zodiacal numbers that fit into every residence, apartment, apartment complexes, major buildings, and key places around the world that have any kind of number can relate to uh, a place in the zodiac because the zodiac is a giant circle of all the 12 signs of 360 degrees and if you go back to your geometry usually in the 11th grade this is after algebra geometry and then trigonometry and then most people don't want to do any more math if they even wanted to do it part of the reason i got into astrology was i love geometry and then when i got into astrology at age 22 i realized there is a cosmic level to all of this. The great circle is the zodiac of 12 signs, 360 degrees, what we call the aspects of sun, moon, the various planets and asteroids and Chiron, the nodes and all kinds of other things people put in charts. They're all these mathematical alignments, just like triangles and squares and all kinds of unusual um, patterns that are part of the overall, shall we say, circle of the sky, which of course is not just a piece of paper, it's multi-dimensional. That's who we really are in our horoscopes and our transits and progressions. It's not just the, the piece of paper, and that's just the representation. So this is all pretty fascinating. Now, I have a bunch of notes, and the notes are really important. And then after the notes, um, I will share about the American royalty chart and how it relates to the zodiac address and how... Um, 
President Trump and President George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, all born in the three months during the early, uh, late spring and the summer of 1946. Because this is a big deal, these three presidents all going back to the year after World War II ended. Why do we have these, these presidents? Um, um, where we have Bill Clinton for eight years, 1993 to 2000 to 2001. And then we get George W. Bush. They're only born one month apart, one in August of 46, the other one in July. And then we have uh, President Obama for two terms. And then we're back into the summer of 1946 um, with uh, President Trump, because uh, for whatever reason, Hillary Clinton, who was born the following year, 1947, for various re reasons, was not fitting into this pattern. There is something going on here, and I will help to explain that, of why we have these presidents who are all born within three months. Actually, it's less than three months. It's, it's two months and a week between President Trump and his birthday, June 14, 1946, and Bill Clinton born August 20th of 1946, with George W. Bush in the middle even though he's not born on July 4th, he's born July 6th, 1946, and his son degree is coexisting with the United States son. By the way, I've mentioned before, there's a Destiny series of something I wrote. It's kind of voluminous. It's from, let's see, 17 years ago. It will see the light of day with dozens of charts not too long in the future. We will tell everybody about that. It's pretty fascinating. I wrote it back when... George W. Bush was president and contains an enormous amount of American history and the presidents who passed away and many other things connecting Lincoln and Kennedy and different presidencies and so on. So look for that in the near future. By the way, also in the Mars Retrograde Astrology podcast, um, which was two podcasts ago, so I believe that would be number 59, the Astrology of Mars Retrograde with the Elections. There's the chart for presidential power, which is the George Washington Oath of Office from April 30th of 1789. So to some extent, I don't, I may not talk exactly about that at this point, but that is also something to remember of the last several podcasts as we go forward, looking at the election and the inauguration time periods of November of this year and then January of 2021. So let me share the notes. And again, to some extent, it's a hodgepodge of things that I have seen happening from last week during the Republican National Convention, which was partly in Charlotte, but mostly at the White House. So again, of course, many of you have heard the ethical issues, the moral issues, um, posters and different kinds of things that shouldn't normally and have never taken place in the White House on the South Lawn. So, so many people are up in arms ethically from the left about what the president did, what the organizers did, and not to mention uh, hundreds of people gathered for um, the different speeches on that Thursday night, August 27th, when the, when the president came down in a kind of, in a, in a royal way with Melania and all of the uh, festivities and the accolades and the flying flags and all of this. So that has never happened before. And of course, there were all these charges uh, of things that not only illegalities based on what's called the Hatch Act from 1939 and having people from, I don't know if it was the, the Marines opening doorways, which was 
very similar to what Vladimir Putin does in Russia. Uh, you may know every year Vladimir Putin, I think it's in December, but he has, he comes out and he gives um, this speech to all the assorted press in Russia and around the world about, I guess, his worldviews and what he believes is happening and so on and so forth. But at the Kremlin, the, that, that building and that site, there's a whole bunch of more ornate kinds of things that have, if you think of the czars of Russia and who Vladimir Putin has been as a KGB agent from East Germany, uh, being part of the Soviet Union and having come into power after Boris Yeltsin and Mikhail Gorbachev, and now potentially being president all the way through 2036 um, as one of the potentials recently, despite the the upheavals there in, the, in Russia uh, with the poisoning of one of the alternative figures there that came in the news. Many of you were maybe hearing about that. Um, so we have so much going on here. So here are the notes. Okay, that night, I don't know how many of you tuned in since... Um, I should say this, I've been watching conventions since Nixon Kennedy, okay, and I was 10 years old at that time. And so I've shared before, if you've listened and seen the podcast area, I was a writer for the Michigan State News when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, 1968 to 1970. Um, I was reaching thousands of people. It was at that point, the Michigan State News was actually... Believe it or not, I'm not exaggerating, the award-winning top newspaper for, for a college or university in the United States. All the plaques were against the wall. This is right in the town of East Lansing, which is right next to Lansing, Michigan, where recently um, all the people, there were a whole bunch of people stormed the state capitol with rifles and guns, and they weren't stopped. That was all in Lansing. Well, Michigan State University um, is the next town over and the Michigan State News rivals the main paper in Lansing. I don't know how they're doing now, but when I was there, that's where I got my start as an editorial ass assistant, not having any background, um, even in high school, not writing for the school newspaper. One thing led to another. And this is why, for me, watching news, being someone in the 1950s and 60s, watching Walter Cronkite, growing up in New York City, we had so many dis different newspapers, as I've shared before, particularly in a podcast about the origins of the cosmic calendar, that I see myself as a reporter, a newspaper person who wanted to create, which I did, um, a newspaper that turned into a magazine called Welcome to Planet Earth that would be an astrological newspaper. And I was fortunate enough, not because there was any um, Swiss bank account or any kind of magical financial guardian angel, but just kind of dreaming up this astrological world of what we call mundane astrology or earth astrology. And that's this other area, aside from my doing personal readings for people, consultations, discussing things on Coast to Coast AM, which I've been fortunate enough to do since 2004. Hopefully I will be on there again in the near future, talk about the campaigns in the fall here, the election, the inauguration. But again, I'll be doing my own podcast one way or another. And so I've been watching the different conventions, and there's a whole process by which, in the normal scope of things, when you look at different candidates, and I started sharing this before in the two podcasts recently about the Biden-Harris ticket, that um, we right now, 
a lot of astrologers have looked at, whether they say it or not, and they're either podcasting or they're sharing their views, who are uh, mundane astrologers focusing on nations and the world and major planetary cycles, new moons, full moons, eclipses, charts that we call each state has a chart for when it entered the Union of the United States. Countries have charts and countries can reincarnate. Um, and of course, for world leaders and kings and queens and princes and empires even, um, uh, we also have so many different kinds of astrological cycles, particularly major planetary alignments. As I shared in the last podcast, Jupiter conjuncts Saturn every 20 years and what are called these mutational cycles where Jupiter and Saturn over a 794 year period will go through the, it'll start with fire signs for about 180 years, and then earth signs for 180 years, then air signs for 180 years or so, and then water signs, and then the cycle will repeat. And we're leaving the earth sign Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions that began in 1841, and we're about to have on December 21st, Jupiter and Saturn merging in the beginning of Aquarius. And so if you listen to the last podcast about the dawning of the uh, age of Aquarius takes 90 plus years, that's also from a magazine in the past, from 22 years ago. The Zodiac address is coming from 25 years ago, and you're going to find it really fascinating. So the reason that the American royalty chart um, for the president, Melania, coming down, all the, the carpeting and the flags and beginning his speech, is that it, that event has never happened before. We know our president loves royalty, loves rituals, um, is very connected to a lot of the authoritarian type leaders around the world, whether it's Putin or Xi, um, Erdogan in Turkey, uh, and different even the leader of India, Modi, different people who are much more um, dictatorial, shall we say, or feeling like, hey, they know what's going on with their own president. He has Leo Rising, as I've shared before. He has the last degree of Leo Rising, President Trump, which is where Regulus and another star, but what's called the little king of the constellation of Leo is exactly on his horizon. And this is part of the whole heritage of fixed stars and constellations and the power of stars. They've always been there. You can get your chart with stars put in there and learn more about constellations, whether it's Sirius the dog star, Antares in the heart of the constellation of Scorpio, Polaris, the North Star, and so on. So many different major stars have all been a part of the history of astrology, and they still are. So um, our president, who has Mars near his horizon, I shared about that in the Mars Retrograde podcast, linking him to John F. Kennedy, and this is where we're going to go here, John F. Kennedy and George Bush number 1 and Donald Trump, the only three sun sign Gemini presidents we've ever had all in recent history, all challenging because in the United States birth chart from July 4th, 1776, lo and behold, Mars is in Gemini and so is Uranus. And Uranus is the planet of revolution because the country started in 1776 uh, at the Declaration of Independence, but independence wasn't won until 1781, the year that Uranus was discovered, ironically, in, in Bath, England in March of that year. And then that led to the American victory uh, uh, by George Washington over uh, Cornwallis uh, in October of that year at Yorktown, at Yorktown. 
So Uranus in the United States birth chart from July 4th, 1776, discovery of Uranus in 1781, and the natal positions of Mars and Uranus as the key Gemini planets, which in the work we do at Welcome Planet Earth, are in the setting area, which is often called in mundane astrology, open enemies or allies. So this connection um, between our current president and George W. Bush and Bill Clinton due to the summer of 1946, I'll get into that here, but there's also a big connection between this president and JFK. They're born 29 years apart, which is a Saturn cycle. And that's the other thing, both JFK born in May of uh, 1917 has Saturn in late Cancer. And then this, our current president has Saturn conjunct Venus in the latter part of Cancer. And George W. Bush also has Saturn very close to the Saturn of JFK. So when you read the Destiny series that will be forthcoming that I wrote 17 years ago, you'll see the connections between George W. Bush and JFK. That'll be something else to take a look at, which is very fascinating. So um, how does this all relate? Okay, what I would like everybody to do, I want to make sure I say this clearly. The global hotspot area, which is complementary on Great Bear Enterprises, please take a look at the Leo New Moon global hotspot from August 18th, just two weeks ago. That particular global hotspot is important for the following reason. At that particular time, I put in there that New York City, now remember New York is, while President Trump is no longer um, a resident of New York and there's that back, backlash against him, Trump Towers and everything, and now he's a resident of Miami or Florida, uh, kind of abandoned New York City because of the hostility to President Trump. Nevertheless, he was born, like myself, in the borough of Queens, one of the five boroughs of New York City. At that global hotspot, you can read the article, you'll see that toward the end, I noticed from, this is why I put in those articles, not only a U.S., um, a chart for Washington, D.C., it's at the end of every global hotspot. There's a storyline about the new moon, what it means for each of us. Again, new moons and full moons are affecting all of us, whether we know it or not, but they're also affecting our country. And you can calculate a new moon or full moon for any of the, any place, and any capital of um, any country. What changes, the, the degrees of the zodiac don't change in terms of the sun, moon, the planets, the asteroids, Chiron, the nodes, they don't change. The house positions change, what's rising, setting, above and below. They will change based on where the new moon, full moon eclipse is occurring. The, the situation that was extraordinary was the Uranus position and the Pluto positions at New York City were rising for Uranus and Pluto above. In other words, the positions of Pluto at the, pre, at the last new moon, right now we're about to have a full moon with Virgo and Pisces, but the new moon starts every cycle. And in that new moon chart that you can read about for Global Hotspot, you will see that Uranus was rising and Pluto is above. And in astrology and in these maps, if you have one planet that's exactly rising in a location or one planet above, that's amazing. If there are two outer planets, and in this case, 
in the world map, when you looked at it closely in the global hotspot for August 18th uh, that just happened, you see this Uranian plutonic energy hitting New York City. So even though the president doesn't live there now, that's where he was born. So the whole phenomenon in New York, and again, this is the main place with the, with the pandemic and the crisis that has happened, that has spread around the whole country, but it was so concentrated in New York City for all of those months. So I noticed that and I wrote about it. Here's the amazing synchronicity. When the president came down after he was introduced by uh, his daughter giving a speech there, and again, there's the whole question mark of like, was this right ethically and so on? This has never happened before. And I'll have some words to say about that. Um, he comes down and I approximated uh, from the time he appeared in the balcony. Again, a lot of people are saying this is like Mussolini on the balcony. There's famous pictures of Benito Mussolini on a balcony, which is very interesting because our president, as you know, if you see a lot of the photographs when he's in uh, the Oval Office, he's talking to people, often he has his arms folded, which anyone who, who uh, and this is not a dig at him, this is just the way it is, um, when you, it's body language, when you don't want to have somebody see what you're really feeling or you want to protect yourself from people that you don't want snooping into your life, he does this a whole lot. And it's just to kind of, um, psychic protection against photographers or people asking questions. Now, he doesn't do it all the time because he, he can be very animated with his hands, as you know, when he's giving speeches, whether it's from a teleprompter extemporaneously. But in that setting where he's sort of confined in the Oval Office and there are people in there, reporters come in, um, or they show a picture of him with um, some of the members of the administration all having a discussion, very often he has that full um, his hands around him and Mussolini there's a famous picture of him on a balcony so what we had here was Ivanka did a did a speech um, of course his his favorite um, child giving this um, speech and then he comes down with Melania so it had that feel for anyone watching it and for people on the left they were sickened by it and people on the right maybe you have cheered, think, uh, as the president himself said, we're here, you're not, meaning we, the Republicans, have the power at the moment in the executive branch, and there are hundreds of people in the South Lawn, along with uh, posters and things. So there's not supposed to be, according to the Hatch Act from 1939, other things, that the White House, which is the people's house, should not be utilized in this kind of a way. Now, Franklin Roosevelt gave fireside chats. Uh, Different things have happened at the White House, but that are if the, if they're blatantly political for your party, like the Republican Party, or if it were a Democratic president trying to put posters and do electioneering. And as many of you know, and as some of the senators who are commenting, senators are not allowed to use even their own office uh, in their Senate building and so on to solicit money. They have to do these things. Uh, not in the areas of their own work where they're working on behalf of the people. So there are all these different rules and laws. And a lot of people feel that what happened at the White House with the different speeches, and particularly that night, was not just morally wrong or ethically wrong, but was legally uh, wrong. So that's, that's a big deal. Uh, it, it's not going to change because as we know, what's happened in the last year or two, 
before and after the impeachment things is between subpoenas and Supreme Court rulings and all kinds of obfuscation. Obviously, the president felt, and remember, he did 14 years of The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice. He wanted to do this, and he knew that um, there was no way that somebody was going to take it away from him. And because he didn't have um, the actual con convention in Charlotte or Jacksonville because of all the issues about not going to other places and the rules of cities about wearing masks and not c congregating. So to some extent, he was forced back to being at the White House. He didn't have to do it that way, but he chose, well, you're not going to let me do this. I'm going to do it my way. And again, so he's angered many, many people on different levels and other people were overjoyed. Hey, we're going to use the White House for whatever we want. Um, so um, here's how the New York City Uranus rising Pluto above situation from the new moon of August 18th. Nine days later, amazingly, in Washington, D.C., not in New York City, the same exact cycle of Uranus exactly rising at 10.23 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, August 27. That's the chart you'll see for American royalty, Washington, D.C. What I'm saying is at the new moon, which affects the whole 29-day cycle that includes the full moon we're about to have. And you'll see how all this fits in in a moment. At that new moon, and let's remember the new moon of August 18th, incredibly significant because the sun and moon were exactly on the president's Mars, near his horizon in Leo. So this whole energy that would ensue nine days later and the whole week of the Republican energy in the White House took on the martial energy of the president of the United States and opposite the moon with Pallas Athena in Aquarius, which is all the people, particularly from the left and the middle and conservatives who don't feel that the White House should ever be used in this kind of way. They're sharing from the Aquarian view of the collective from July 4th, 1776. This is wrong. We are we the people, Aquarius, where the moon and Pallas Athena are located in exact conjunction when the United States is born. Um, that energy of like seeing someone who, again, he already has, uh, the president has Mars exactly opposite that point. And this is part of all of the anger and the divisiveness that's happened because of his Mars on the opposite end of the zodiac from the moon and Pallas Athena from the start of the country. So that's kind of a permanent thing that the whole country is dealing with. But for those people who are martial in, in tone, who have Mars rising like he has, and um, who who sort of work with the, the energy of Mars, which is not always harmonious, like Venus, which is much more of, say, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's energy, whether you like that or not, he's born with the sun conjunct Venus, has just chosen Kamala Harris as the first uh, woman of color to be on uh, a major ticket. And so we have that feminine goddess Venusian energy that's coming through the Democrats, whether that is going to win or not, we will share about that in the future and other astrologers will have their take. So the chart you'll see for as close as I could get to the moment that he was coming down from uh, the balcony through this ornate, extraordinary situation of like dozens and dozens of flags and so on. Uranus was exactly rising at 10 plus a Taurus and Pluto was exactly overhead at the meridian, the power point. The rising point of any chart is 
hopefully higher self-expression with a capital S rather than lower ego expression. Now, the Uranus and the Pluto, the president is part of a plutocracy. The United States is about to have Pluto come back three times in 2022. Mundane astrologers and people who look at the United States, and I have been sounding this note for years, as have many other astrologers who have been writers of Welcome Planet Earth and around the, the country and so on. It's Pluto has a 247-year cycle, and the country is 244 years old from, from, 19, from 1776. And in 2022, and I've already shared the dates in another podcast, so I'll be sharing it more again, Pluto's going to come back. So we're in the end phase, what we would call the balsamic end phase of a 247-year cycle. We're almost there. And so this is part of the reason why the country feels like it's dividing through the pandemic, the right and the left, all of these different political uh, negations, um, the, the Republicans uh, and holding the Senate, still holding the Senate, whether they will or not in the fall, we'll see. Having Donald Trump, who was not a Republican, knock off, what was it, 17 other actual Republicans through the primaries and become an outsider and not being a normal politician. We see what has happened over the last several years. So this is all part of that scene there. Now, this president, one of the differences in his chart as opposed to Bill Clinton and George Bush, where they're all born that summer is, here's the difference. Only President Trump has the sun conjunct Uranus in Gemini, along with what's called the fate destiny north node of the moon, which was in Gemini. One of the reasons for, for some purpose is that in the summer of 1946, these three presidents, and we don't know whether uh, Trump is gonna get in there again, um, again, he won surprisingly four years ago, as I've shared before, whether you like the president or not, and most people are really not in between. It's either like him a lot or don't like him a lot. The thing is, is that his chart is more connected. I'm just being direct about this of any president that I've ever studied, how his chart connects up to the United States birth chart from July 4th, 1776. That is not all good and it's not all bad. It just means that there was a destiny pattern and somehow he was able to make a big upset four years ago and he's the president of the United States. So the question then, as we get into the election, we'll see when I share more about it, is definitely the election is not so much on like, hey, we love Joe Biden because he's never been able to sort of get there, but he, was, he became the vice president under Barack Obama, and so he has the vice presidency from the past. Of course, both of these are older gentlemen, and that's another big issue, just as Bernie Sanders and now um, Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton, to have a lot of these people in their 70s. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is 80 years old, um, and Mitch McConnell is, is up there too. I don't know whether it's 80 or over 80. So a lot of the people who are in power, not that that's bad, but they've been in power positions for a really long time. So um, by the way, I will just add, I am for term limits. I am for more than two parties. Uh, the country began, and particularly in the 1800s, not that it was always smooth, with multiple different parties. And the Republican Party didn't really become born until uh, 1854. And the Democratic Party, I relate back to 
uh, 18, uh, March 4th, 1829, at Andrew Jackson's first inauguration. And um, I wrote articles about this in Welcome to Planet Earth. And the birth of parties is very significant. But of course, in the past, the Federalist Party, the Whig Party, the Know Nothing Party, um, the Progressive Party, all kinds of different parties, Socialist Party, Communist Party, Green Party. Uh, we don't want to become a country like Italy. We have dozens of, of parties and sometimes in France and other countries, which have parliamentary systems that are different from ours. But a healthy situation of three parties or four parties could really give the American public um, a different choice. So I am for term limits um, so that people can really represent government. So at another time, I'll share more about my views on all this. Okay, so Pluto. Uh, directly above. Now, Pluto is more than the plutocracy, but to see Pluto directly above and Uranus exactly rising at this new moon from August 18th over New York City and write about it and realize, hey, the president of the United States, that's his home base originally. What I didn't realize and what no one knew was that nine days later at in the White House, again, the setting whether we look at it as something that was completely inappropriate as a kind of monarchical thing, that's how I felt. I didn't like it. I don't want to ever see that. Um, in my notes here, I won't, I'm, I'm actually going to do a short thing here. I, I started thinking, and this is the, the perfect comparison. Anybody who thought that was okay to see the president Melania and all the speech and coming down a carpet with like 50 flags waving and Trump pen signs and people with most of them without masks at the white house and all kinds of other things that happened that week, uh, granting pardons and things having to do with uh, admitting certain people to, to uh, nationalization that the president did, uh, immigrants coming in. When we have all of the everything that's been happening with the borders under his administration and children uh, in cages. And I was watching the incongruity between Melania's long speech about her work with not wanting any bullying and what's happening in the social networking world and making sure people don't hurt children and protecting children at the same time your own husband is sponsoring a situation with homeland security and what's been happening with trying to lock out thousands and tens of thousands of people and change the rules in order to prevent certain people uh, particularly from mexico and latin america and south america from coming into the united states and from other areas so there's a lot of duality there uh, that's very you know upsetting now i'm not going to get into all of the other alignments of that particular chart you can look at the american royalty question mark chart on your own but there are there is an enormous amount of of shall we say plutocracy in because pluto represents extreme wealth but it's the underworld and can also have a lot to do with the hidden sides of life, the secrets and mysteries and extremes. Now, it doesn't mean that the president and all the other plutocrats and the people with money and power that are part of the executive branch and the administration are all bad. There could be a lot of things through Pluto, through will, purpose and power, where, where power can be used in good ways. So I don't want to say that just because Pluto is directly above or the president is a plutocrat, that that is inherently negative. However, the outer planets themselves, to have Uranus and Pluto at when the speech started, where Uranus is exactly rising, and the reason I wanted you to remember the presidential power chart 
for April 30th, 1789, which is in the, the Mars retrograde uh, podcast, is the son for presidential power when George Washington became the first president, took the oath of office. Ironically, in New York, let's remember, not in Philadelphia, um, where the declaration was signed. There was no Washington, D.C. at that point. It was named after him. And and the White House didn't be, did wasn't built or ready until John Adams came in there in 1800. But the son of presidential power, when he took that first oath of office, is at 10 plus a Taurus. And that's exactly the degree that was rising when he came down, started his speech, and Uranus is transiting that position for the first time in 84 years. And again, the President of the United States, whether he's an erratic Uranian figure or a revolutionary Uranian figure or an intuitive Uranian figure or a whole combination of the Uranian forces because he's born with Sun conjunct Uranus with the North Node, that is was an astounding thing for me to see, what, what I would call an ultimate level of synchronicity. I don't think it was an accident at all it's just astounding that the same pattern that existed in New York City at the new moon, when the sun was right on his Mars and opposite the moon palace Athena conjunction for the United States, nine days later, he would give the talk. In astrology, everything is when things begin. By the way, the in my School of Planetary Studies, 36 classes, it's now online. It used to be cassette tapes in the 1980s with a group of students. I've shared this story before. And on Great Bear Enterprise, you can see the School of Planetary Studies. So many people now are changing their lives. You may be shifting your jobs. Uh, there's all the unemployment that's happening, people moving around, so many dangerous and uh, heartbreaking situations, as we all know, affecting everyone. Um, and so many people might want to get into learning astrology. And these classes are really fascinating. The reason I bring it up is in the third series, what we might call the advanced series, there's a beginner series, an intermediate and advanced series. Each one has 12 one hour lessons that you listen to. There are notes to read and charts. And so there's no homework to turn in. You could, we have special now on ordering much less of a price for the three year sequence. So if you go to our astrology shop and into Great Bear Enterprise, you'll see the School of Planetary Studies in case you want to order the classes. In the advanced series, there are separate uh, classes, an hour each, on the two oldest astrologies, electional astrology and horary astrology. When you go back thousands of years, when they didn't have all the accurate positions uh, to the exact degree, we didn't know Uranus, Neptune, Pluto existed because we didn't have the telescopes, they're too far away. Uh, we didn't have uh, the asteroids, the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. They hadn't been sighted. Uh, they weren't discovered till 1801 to 1807. Chiron wasn't discovered till 1977. Now, we've known about the nodes of the moon, the fate, destiny uh, nodes of the moon, obviously the sun and moon, and the main planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. So that has been known for thousands of years. And so court astrologers, men and women who are charting the skies, what we might call the magi of different epochs, astronomy, astronomer, astrologers, astrology was taught in universities a thousand years ago. Um, there's a whole history you can read about. A lot of astrologers now are going back to ancient Greece, Hel Hellenistic times. The astrology that we have, 
uh, in the Western world, particularly, it comes out of Egypt, it comes out of Rome, it comes out of Greece, it comes out of India, it comes out of these different cultures and other places around the world with different mythologies and different um, archetypes. It's utterly fascinating. So, but, but um, electional astrology and horror astrology, horror astrology is the astrology of the hour. So that is this particular situation of the American royalty. Um, any event you, uh, for yourself, you get a job, you start a job. Um, you might have a choice, you may not have a choice. Somebody says, okay, you're employed, come in on Monday morning, nine o'clock, we'll get you oriented. If, if you're into astrology, you might call up the boss and say, you know what? Is it okay if I start on Tuesday because I have something going on I didn't realize and maybe the boss is okay, fine. Because you talk to an astrologer, you know astrology and Monday there was a void moon or whatever it is. So you didn't want to start working on that day. So that's part of the advantage of knowing things. Otherwise, when people just do things, get married, if you haven't, if you, if you don't have an astrologer fine tuning that and that is a complex situation. Um, a woman has a baby at a particular time. Now, that is very hard to orchestrate, but there are some destiny patterns there. Uh, getting married, any kind of major event that happens, somebody um, starting getting involved with team sports or starting your own business or incorporating a business and on and on or moving from one place to another and setting foot in an apartment or a house at, for the first time. All of these are part of horary astrology. If they just happen and you can do charts for the beginning moment, that's what I'm talking about here. On the other hand, if somebody were to elect through electional astrology, electional astrology is not related to the U.S. election or state elections or presidential elections. The term electional astrology is to elect a time deliberately because you and or the astrologer deliberately choose this is an auspicious moment to do this. Or if people are going to get a divorce or separate out, maybe it's an inauspicious moment. Most people don't want to choose things that are inauspicious, but in certain cases, it might be necessary to have something that's more challenging in order to break things apart. I mean, that's not something I would not normally uh, contemplate, but in the flow of this moment, that is also a possibility. So uh, let me let me mention this um, with these notes. So there's the American royalty chart. We're going to get in. I, I really want to focus on the zodiac address and this important concept, but part of it has to do with this full moon that's happening. So let's bring up this concept. The full moon that is about to happen is happening at 10 degrees of Virgo and 12 minutes of arc. 10 degrees of Virgo and 12 minutes of arc. The moon is at 10 degrees of Pisces and 12 minutes of arc. This is important. A long time ago, before we get all the all the uh, planetary positions from what's called the Jet, Jet Propulsion Laboratory out in California, we have fine-tuned astrology now with software over the last several decades. That's why a lot when I started doing this um, 40 plus years ago, we had no computers. It took me several hours to do the chart, what was called the table of houses, and um, all kinds of almost uh, out, well, beyond algebra. Um, the ephemeris of planetary positions, table of houses, and blank chart wheels and calculating sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, the, all the planets, the main asteroids, which came in we, with our first opportunity, as I've shared from Eleanor Bach, who did the ephemerides of the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta in 1973. And she was uh, my main first physical teacher. 
so in New York City. So putting in all these celestial bodies without having computers, this took hours. And um, that's why I also share about progressions a lot, because astrology is not just the natal chart, and it's not just transits where the planets are today or tomorrow, next week, and comparing them. That's why we have a lot of these reports, Skylog, Timeline, Life Progressions, which are based on secondary progress charting. Each day after birth is, is a year of your life. I will share more about that in a forthcoming podcast from something I wrote a while back, uh, 24 years ago, an enormously important article um, based on my going to some lectures and bringing up a concept called tertiary progressions as well as secondary progressions. But if you go back to the first 17 podcasts um, of the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope on Great Bear Enterprises, they were all about the progressed secondary sun for the United States and the progressed secondary Pallas Athena for the United States, as I've shared before. Those first 17 podcasts from May of 2019 about something that had never happened in the United States chart. The sun and Pallas Athena had come together by secondary progression at 15 degrees of Pisces. Now we have a triple conjunction with the outer planet Sedna in the same area. And this is part of the whole story with these archetypes of Pallas Athena, Sedna, and the sun uh, giving the illumination or the enlightenment of these archetypes in terms of the progressing evolution of the United States, which is why all of these divisions, the marches with Black Lives Matter, the differences, how the country is being split apart. And I've shared particularly because of the United States Progress Chart, where there's also a Mars Chiron opposition and many other things that I've reported on that are simultaneously happening in the progressive chart for the country. And each one of you listening, each person who's ever lived and will live has ongoing progressions as well as transits. And if you don't check the progressions and there's more than one type, there's solar arc progressions, which many astrologers use. The main one that has been used for centuries is secondary progressions. There's also tertiary progressions, which I will share more about from something I wrote 24 years ago. And there's also minor progressions and there's other type of progressions that um, are really fascinating, age arc progressions, other things that are more intuitive. There's also a whole thing called primary directions. We go back uh, even further and I'll share more about that in the future. So 10 plus Virgo, 10 plus Pisces, this is important. This is gonna get us to where we wanna go about the Zodiac address, the White House and connecting up this chart. So. One of the other things about the American royalty chart, which blew my mind, literally, was the following, that aside from Uranus exactly rising, when the president came down, gave that speech last week at the White House, South Lawn, the whole thing, an hour and 11 minutes or so. I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, I watched part of it, and I was also tuning into something else and doing some other work. Pluto exactly above, Uranus exactly rising. That Uranus rising connects back to his own birth with Sun conjunct Uranus and the North Node. And then you have that Uranus position and the Ascendant exactly being the Sun for when uh, George Washington took the first oath of office. That's in the presidential power chart. So guess what? There is something called the part of fortune. The part of fortune is underrated. It's very important. comes out of Arabic astrology from a thousand years ago. The astrologers who were in the Middle East and who came up through Spain and into 
into Europe and influenced Western astrology had a whole series of what were called parts. They're basically algebra, that the word algebra itself comes from, from that culture. Um, so it's kind of like the same thing. And when you take algebra, it's like 3x plus 4 equals and you're solving for x or x and y and that kind of thing. I loved algebra and I loved percentages and decimals and things that started in the sixth grade and um, seventh and eighth grade and then ninth grade and tenth grade with algebra leading into um, geometry. Didn't really love trigonometry, didn't get into calculus, okay? When I got to geometry, that was like, for me, the touchstone of all things. And that's what really led me ultimately into astrology because astrology is so much cosmic geometry. So the part of fortune, there are different parts. There's a part of marriage, a part of life, a part of death, a part of children. There's all kinds of mathematical points. In the part of fortune, we're dealing with the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. And so in this particular thing, Rudyard, Dane Rudyard, my teacher, called the part of fortune a path of happiness. It's a synthesis of the sun, moon, and the rising. So there's a current formula for all of these things. In this case, you're adding the moon position in the zodiac to um, the rising position, subtracting the sun, and you get what is a fascinating point. Uh, the part of fortune, which again, Rudyard called the path of happiness. Here's the interesting thing that happens. Um, every four minutes of time, the degree of the part of fortune will change every, approximately every four minutes of time. So you do a chart in your birth chart and it, it's complicated because nowadays you get a chart and it says, do you want the daytime part of fortune or the traditional one or the nighttime? I don't know where the non-traditional one came in, but the part of fortune that's always been used, I would suggest just use the, the traditional one because that's the one that I find works really well. So in the course of say 24 to 48 hours, the part of fortune, which is a synthesis of sun, moon and ascendant, amazingly will stay in the same house position of any chart over like a day or two. It may change its sign position or will change its sign, sign position about every four minutes of time. And, uh, and before we're done today, I'm going to read um, the astrological mandala from Dade Rajar, which where he reinterprets the Sabian symbols from his colleague, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones. I'm going to read the symbol for 10 of Virgo, which will understand why that's important in a moment. It's very significant, as well as the opposite point, 10 of Pisces, in a different way. And slightly over 10 of Virgo, slightly over 10 of Pisces, this degree placement of this full moon, 10 plus of Virgo, 10 plus of Pisces, very connected to President Kennedy and November 22nd, 1963, which I will explain. So that's where we're going with all of this. Um, I will have to read you the Zodiac Address article in order for you to get to the understanding of the, the significance of 10 of Virgo, 10 plus of Virgo, 10 of Pisces, and 10 plus of Pisces. Um, it's just a remarkable kind of a thing. But the part of fortune at, if you look in the, the American royalty chart, look in the fifth house, which is interesting because the fifth house of any chart is not just children and um, creative artistry, it's drama. It's the sign uh, that's archetypally would be Leo in an archetypal chart. In this case, Virgo is in the fifth house at the moment that uh, President Trump gave his speech. And the part of fortune, and this was a, 
extraordinary just the other day when I did the chart and I see, oh my goodness, Uranus and Pluto are on the angles. One is rising, one's above. It's exactly the same um, energy field of what mundane astrologers and people into astrolocality sees these as lines of energies, what we would call a, a mundane type um, square of one significant planet being directly above and the other significant planet being exactly on the horizon. It's, it's an unusual thing to say the least, particularly when there are two outer planets and outer planets are much harder for individuals to control and even for a national leader or for groups or communities or businesses, if, if something happens to a chart or a business, a person in, in business or at home or in family, and you have these situations at significant moments and they're outer planets, those are much harder to deal with than if, say, the Sun or Venus or Jupiter or Mercury, which are more personal energies or the Moon. The part of fortune, you'll see, it looks like a circle with an X. A lot of people say, what's the circle with the X in my chart? Because nobody knows what that is unless you study the part of fortune. In this case, amazingly, nine plus a Virgo, which you'll see in a moment is significant. And here's the top of the heap here. Today, today, as I'm doing this in the evening of August 31, the sun is at that degree. So I get chills from thinking about it. And that's not from feeling ill. It's from having this kind of uh, Uranian kind of realization because I have different programs on my computer and I'm able to see what's rising or what's above. Like, for instance, in starting tonight's session, Pisces rising, Mars has just squared the United States, Pluto. There's all kinds of different positions that are going on um, developing. For instance, Venus is now returning to where the president, uh, our current president, was, was born with Venus. So as this full moon is happening, Venus will be returning for him. And I strongly recommend you're reading the global hotspot for this Virgo Pisces, September 1, September 2, full moon in the global hotspot complimentary section on Great Bear Enterprises, because you'll see it, you even make a note there and saying, hey, in a forthcoming podcast, which is this one, I will explain more about the significance of this full moon. So the part of fortune, the path of happiness that Rudyard talked about, a synthesis of the exact moment of uh, in any significant happening, bringing together moon, rising, and sun, the three principal energies usually considered by astrologers as significant to interpret and understand, is at nine plus of Virgo. And the sun today is at nine plus of Virgo. Now, let me start hooking you up to all of this. Um, George W. Bush, we're not going to get into a whole bunch of things in his chart, but here's the big thing. He's president for eight years, the son of a former president. Under him, 9-1-1 happened. Then we had the war with Iraq and as well as Afghanistan. In the search for Osama bin Laden, it wasn't until Barack Obama became president that Osama bin Laden was killed. But for those eight years, and we're still battling in the Middle East, we still go, have the ongoing war with Afghanistan. And in many ways, the whole turbulence with Iraq, let's not forget um, the the General Soleimani from Iran was murdered or assassinated or however you want to look at it, taken out the beginning of this year before the pandemic that we knew about, even though the pandemic was already happening. We almost had a hot war with Iran. That, that general was taken out by a drone, not in Iran, even though he was Iranian. 
It was, it happened at the Baghdad airport and along with another killing through a drone. And one of the things in the podcast or two that I did on, on the general Soleimani and that whole issue, which is before the 13 podcasts I did on the coronavirus was I, I made the remarkable uh, understanding that Osama bin Laden and General uh, Hakim, uh, I think I, I have his name correct, but Soleimani, he was a major general, uh, really part of the Iranian government. They were born only one day apart the same year in 1958 in March as Sunshine Piscians, one day apart uh, in different parts of the Middle East. And so in our assassinating or taking out Soleimani and all the incredible things that happened. Remember, there was the Iranian plane crash. There was there was their response, all kinds of mourning and thousands of people uh, mourning. And we didn't know the pandemic was happening. So in an, um, a horrible and ironic way, Iran suffered greatly. Um, the, so many of the Middle Eastern countries, this goes back to the coronavirus podcast I did about the World Health Organization, the start of the pandemic in Wuhan. And China has much to be responsible for, so I totally agree with that. And this isn't a hoax. This is really happening. And unfortunately, because of a war scenario in the Middle East, we added to the craziness and the disturbance, um, particularly of some of these countries in the Middle East, including Saudi Arabia and other countries that are still being inundated terribly by, by the coronavirus in those countries. So you can read all about that in, in the different podcasts, including about um, Soleimani. But the amazing thing, and this, let me mention this, I've said it before, we need the Bureau of Astrological Research and Revelation, which I have mockingly referred back to, to William Barr, because I'm not exactly, uh, shall we say, in sync with um, the fact that 30 years ago, he was the Attorney General. If we want to think about deep state, he was the attorney general at the end of the George Bush number one uh, presidency. And then he just came in um, at, at this time, 30 years later. That's never happened before with an attorney general. There's also early on in my podcast, I do a whole chart for the beginning of the Justice Department, because even though we had an attorney general in the beginning of the country, we didn't have a Justice Department until it was 1870. It happened under the Grant administration. There's a whole chart for it. You can even go to the uh, Justice Department website and you'll see the date there that's given and that chart and the chart for William Barr are unbelievably connected and like the president of the United States William Barr is a sun sign Gemini and William Barr has the moon and Leo connecting up to Pluto and Mars in President Trump's chart. This by the way is one of the connectors back to something that President Trump talks a whole lot about when he, he chose Sessions from Alabama and then Sessions wouldn't he recused himself um, from the whole uh, Russia investigation. It threw Trump into um, a temperamental fit. So he kept looking for what he called his Bobby Kennedy, because uh, one of the big things, the reason why we don't want nepotism, that we don't want members of our own family at, um, in, in the case of JFK, what happened was, uh, well, it's too much of a long history because we know the father Joseph E. Kennedy, he wanted to be president. He had been at the court of St. James and uh, during um, the Great Depression. He thought he might be able to succeed uh, Roosevelt. He was more of a Nazi sympathizer. And then when war broke out, just like with Lindbergh, uh, Joseph Kennedy was on the outs. So he wanted his, his eldest son um, 
um, to be president. Um, that was the son who was born a year before JFK. He was killed during a Saturn return, flying in a mission. This was after JFK had had his PT-109 um, uh, uh, experience in the South Pacific and then had been given medals and was recovering. This is what created um, the bad back for uh, JFK for the rest of his life and other kinds of things because he, when he was growing up, he was also a sickly child. And then suddenly the eldest Kennedy had been killed um, because his plane exploded on a dangerous mission in World War II. And then it was left, kind of you think of the sins of the fathers, to JFK, JFK who was more of a writer and a communicator, uh, playboy type, and somebody who um, just wasn't planning to uh, to be in Congress or politics, wound up being in the House, becoming a senator, becoming president, and then we know what happened November 22nd. But in, in October of 1962, because Bobby Kennedy had become the attorney general, um, this was a big deal when JFK won over Nixon in a rather contested and close election. And there was a day, you can find it probably on YouTube, where JFK introduces his brother as attorney general and there's all this, what, your own brother? Is that okay? You know, the reason that was actually chosen by his father, uh, Joseph Kennedy, uh, before he had his stroke and so on, before he couldn't really deal with things, basically said to to uh, John F. Kennedy, you need Bobby in there with you, choose him. And so that's something I will talk about another time. Um, but because Robert Kennedy was the brother of JFK, this is where Donald Trump, this is exactly where Donald Trump kept searching for his Bobby Kennedy. And in William Barr, he has found his Bobby Kennedy. So that's the reason and that's the connection between these two sun sign Gemini figures, JFK, the first one, and now the third one, Donald Trump, who's born, remember, one Saturn cycle after JFK. And he, uh, um, JFK was born with Uranus not moving and with his son on the United States Uranus, exactly. And now we have a president for the first time ever who has sun conjunct Uranus with the North Node. So these presidents in these time periods, like 1917, JFK is born. 29 years later, three presidents, all in the summer of 1946, June, July, and August. Uh, why, why is that happening? There are reasons. And part of it, as I said earlier, um, JFK was born with Saturn in late cancer. This relates back to something which may be in the storyline. I don't, I don't even know. I haven't reread the Zodiac address, so I will just say this now. Um, you, I've told the story before, but this was a big deal in the summer. Uh, on July 20th, let's put it this way, July 20th of 1963, there was a total solar eclipse. That hit JFK's Saturn in his 10th house. I've shared before, I don't remember exactly where, but in, in astrology, there is this subject about Saturn overhead in, in war leaders, that it represents a rise and a great fall. It's, in other words, it's dangerous potentially to have somebody in a position of power and they have Saturn above. Where do we get this from? Well, Napoleon, whose chart was known, I believe his birth time, somebody figured that out, or at least corrected it, he had Saturn above. And so he went through the, the rise and fall of being an emperor and then all the different things that happened under Napoleonic France. Then we had Adolf Hitler, okay? And so Adolf Hitler is born with Saturn at the top of the chart. We could get into so many things. For instance, he starts World War II 
And um, Saturn is uh, on his son, as an example. Um, he's born with Saturn directly above. And it's also stationary. It's not, it's not moving uh, within a few days of his birth. So there's the rise and the fall of the Third Reich and Adolf Hitler. And his, um, his 12 years in power is an exact kind of replica of Franklin Roosevelt coming into power. They both come into power in 1933. They both die within a couple of weeks of each other in 1945. And this was explained by Grant Louie in the um, Astrology for the Millions. And I'm going to share more about that as we get closer to the election. So then what happens? Then both Nixon, President Nixon, and JFK, who battled each other in 1960, both have Saturn at the top of their charts. And they both wind up in different ways, terribly for President Kennedy dying by assassination. Nixon, who loses then, makes this remarkable comeback in 68 and 72. Then we get Watergate, and then he has to resign in disgrace. Now, the thing is, there is also what we call this metonic cycle of full moons, new moons, eclipses repeating every approximately 19 years. It goes way back. I shared this not so long ago. So this is an adjunct. It's not the zodiac address, which we'll get to in a moment. But on July 20th of 1963, so many months after JFK and Bobby Kennedy over 13 days helped to save the planet from nuclear annihilation, and I will share much more about that. There's a whole astrology to that that's extraordinary that I don't think has really ever been told. Maybe somebody told it somewhere, but that's a topic of something that I want to share about. Then several months later, in that summer, which was amazing because that's when JFK created a treaty that started the whole process of not doing nuclear weapons in the atmosphere. The United Kingdom, the Soviet Union, and the United States. Um, France didn't join. China was... I believe hadn't started, they hadn't started um, their nuclear atomic testing. France didn't join, so they were not a part of it. But atmospheric testing had been going on, and of course all the way back to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And aside from my studies of JFK, remember in the Earth Astrology news section of Great Bear Enterprises is my story, The Wound That Never Heals, the, um, America's Turning Point of the 20th Century, all about JFK, his assassination, his birth chart, Lee Harvey Oswald, and so on. So you should look at that with a beautiful cover, um, and it's still in that section. And again, as a reminder, also go to the story about Iris on Sedna at Donald Trump's inauguration, inauguration from 2017. That's also in that section because we're all having uh, Iris on our Sednas of people born 1946, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, and so on. It's part of these two outer planets that are so powerful and very hard to handle, which is part of the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, and all of these frightening changes, particularly for women losing, um, losing their incomes as mothers, the whole pressures of, um, of now doing virtual homeschooling. More women are affected by all of this than men. I'm not saying that men are often dying uh, due to the coronavirus and being on certain front lines, but in terms of the pressures on women uh, in all the various cultures and cities and around the country, this is like an extraordinary difficulty. Part of this is Iris on Sedna that was exact when this president took uh, 
the oath of office and remembered the day after all even more millions of people in America and around the world, particularly women, the Me Too movement, based on what revelations had come out about the president's past, his relations with women, where even he did do an apology for that uh, Billy Bush uh, expose uh, on TV about how he talked about women and all these different things about accusations that he still has going on in his life of what he did or what he didn't do and how uh, terrible it was or not terrible and so many different revelations and books and things coming out, as you know. So um, where we go with all of this is the following. On July 20th of 1963, there was a total solar eclipse. It was exactly on President Kennedy's Saturn at the top of his chart. Gene Dixon, the psychic, who a lot of people disparaged yet, yet again, years before in Parade Magazine, she had said that she saw, this is before JFK became president, and Eisenhower, who was a Republican, or at least from the Republican Party, being, again, the leader of D-Day, and uh, D-Day, July 6th, uh, June 6th, 1944, swept into power against twice against Adlai Stevenson in 1952 and 56. So we had the 50s with President Eisenhower, and during that time period, she was interviewed and had a vision of a handsome, uh, brown-haired, young uh, person who was coming out um, to be president of the United States. And that's what she saw, you know, as the next president. Then in the summer after Saturn, and she did do one of these sun sign type horoscope things for newspapers, but she was more considered a psychic and not everybody thought that she was doing what, you know, things appropriately. I think she was operating a lot of Washington, D.C., so she had a lot of clients who were politicians. And so her, her views and her column, you know, reached so many different people. And she then had a vision of a, um, a flag at half-mast over the White House. Now, it's not that she had gotten, I don't know, maybe she had studied the fact that the eclipse happened on his Saturn. She probably didn't have his chart Um at least knew where Saturn was, that it was Saturn above, and maybe she knew some of that history that leaders who have Saturn directly above, like Hitler and Napoleon um, and, and Nixon, who he was running against, um, there could be a major fall. So whatever it was, she tried to warn the White House, I guess she tried to call, to no avail. Uh, something dangerous is happening. I keep having a dream or a vision, this is what she was sharing, of the flag at half-mast over the White House. So that is a symbol of, of death. Uh, mourning, funerals. And then November 22nd happens, 1963. And part of the thing, which again, to start getting into the, to the significance here, on that day, which I've studied so much, Chiron, which was discovered in 1977, Chiron was not moving, made a station. I've shared this before. You, you can hear more about it in the podcast I did on personal chirological cycles. I still need to do a part two, but I shared some of that because certain events in American history and world history um, have happened when Chiron was either stationary, uh, the shooting of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the, the heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, June 28th, 1914, led to World War One. That was considered, at that point, the shot heard around the world. The original shot was during the Battle of Lexington and Concord, back in 1775 before the American, or sort of the beginning of the American Revolution before the Declaration of Independence. But um, 
And of course, there's a Boston Massacre and these other ones. But June 28, 1914, um, on a Sunday, that particular assassination um, happened with with um, Chiron not moving. Uh, Pearl Harbor, very close to Chiron not moving. The first person landing on the moon, Pearl uh, Chiron not moving. JFK's assassination, exactly on that day, Chiron not moving, at 10 Pisces and 14 minutes. So there's the first big thing here. 10 Pisces 14. Okay, we're about to have this full moon at 10, where the moon is at 10 Pisces 12. 10 degrees, 12 minutes of arc. The sun is at 10 Virgo and 12 minutes of arc. Chiron, back in November 22nd, 1963, Chiron stopped at that point. Now, does that mean anything? Maybe nothing. But the point is, we know that three presidents are very connected through Gemini. JFK, Bush number one, and Donald Trump. However, Bush number two is also connected as the son of the former president, and he's the third president along with Clinton and Trump that are all born in 1946. That's 29 years of Saturn cycle after JFK was born in 1917. So we've got all of these unusual and strange connections. But as soon as I saw that at this full moon, I started thinking, wait a minute, 10 degrees um, Virgo, 10 Virgo and 12 minutes of arc, 10 Pisces and 12 minutes of arc. Where do I remember that degree? And of course, it, I knew it, but I wanted to make sure that was where Chiron was motionless on November 22nd, 1963. And further research, I will, I will actually find some I found some other amazing links in American history of why that area of the Zodiac is so significant. The 10 Virgo, which we're going to explore in a minute. It's the 10 Virgo that is so critical for the Zodiac address as it connects to the White House. So that's the thing that I'm building up. 10 of Virgo connects up to what we call 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's the address of the White House. And then you're going to say 1600. Well, there's only 360 degrees in the Zodiac. So what is he talking about? How could 1600 or some enormously large number fit into the Zodiac? That's what I'm going to explain. Now, before I explain that, I just want to say the following. Imagine this pageantry of what happened on August 27th and the whole situation of the Republican convention mainly being at the White House and using the White House in a political way, never been done before. Now, a lot of people would say, hey, so what? Pandemic. He took advantage of a situation. Yeah, maybe there's the Hatch Act, some illegalities or morally. A lot of the commentators, historians and different people said it makes me sick that they did this. It, it feels like uh, a dictator from someplace around the world. Again, I brought up the Mussolini on the balcony image, the image of, of what um, people like Xi do in China, people who have total power. And we know the president of the United States with his chart in particular and the way he's run his business and so on, that's where he has his energy. Um, that's the main area. Now, people on the right or people that believe in him think that law and order and what he what his values are are the appropriate values for this time. Uh, and people on the left and independent on different extremes uh, want 
an overthrow of the situation or to have some kind of stability and go back or go forward to things that are more progressive and to have a temporary shift with Biden and Harris and get back to things that are a little bit more normal, run of the mill, straightforward and rebuild the country from that perspective. And again, this is where we're going to we're going to get a sense of where this is all going. So back to the the um, the, the one thing I want to finish up about um about an example about the royalty from a different perspective. Let me just finish up about the metonic cycle. So what happened with um, um, July 20th of 1963, we just had, because it's three 19-year cycles, 57 years. If you go back to 1963, it's 57 years ago. So what happened was 19 years, this goes back to a certain idea of new moons and full moons and eclipses happening at the same time, same day, approximately 19 years apart. It has to do with abstruse cycles of how far the moon has moved, how far the sun has moved, the, the, the nodes of the moon and the orbit of the sun, the moon and the earth and everything. So this is, was known to someone named Meton back in uh, ancient Greece. And he articulated it and, and there was some other people, this goes back over 2000 years that this was discovered. And it probably was known in other cultures. And if we go back to Atlantis and things from thousands of years ago, even tens of thousands of years ago, depending on how you look at things beyond the Great Pyramid and uh, before the flood and other kinds of things, and Atlantis and Lemuria and ancient Mayan culture and Indian culture and Chinese culture and different places around the world and different mythologies, Jupiter-Saturn cycles and these other kinds of cycles were, were sort of known. But the metonic cycle is something that's there, it's not, never, it's not considered, oh, you know, so significant, it's, it's intriguing. It's part of this kind of the nodes, the orbit of the moon has this 18 and a half year cycle. So this is more of a 19 year cycle, uh, new moons, full moons, eclipses happening the same point. So 19 years later, um, there were issues with us in the Middle East, 19 years after 1963, um, brings us to the summer of 1982, but then, Okay, so there were all kinds of issues that eventually led, not immediately in 1982, 19 years after 1963, and the, the total eclipse on President Kennedy's Saturn that leads to um, his, his disaster, his dying in November in Dallas, which again, the psychic uh, Jean Dixon was calling seeing a flag at half mass. So she was tuning into this and that's documented. That's not fake news. She reported this all the time, that she had this vision and dream and was trying to awaken the White House, protect the president, um, you know, make sure that he's okay. And again, I will have more to say about this in a future podcast. This is not the end of that story. So then 19 years later, we start sort of getting more involved. Remember, there was just this horrible explosion in Lebanon, which is interesting. I hadn't thought about it. Um, this horrendous explosion, the country's falling apart for other reasons, financially, in terms of politics, and they just had this tremendous explosion. So I should have investigated it a little more, and I don't, I don't, I just know it happened recently, and we just had, well, let me put it this way, after 1983, excuse me, 1982, 19 years after the total solar eclipse on JFK Saturn, July 20th, we get another new moon, I don't know if it was eclipse, but it's a new moon on the same date, same time period. And then we start getting involved um, much more in the Middle East at that point. And then the next year in 83 is when our barracks, over 200 plus Marines 
are killed in an explosion. But the initiating point of that happens in 82. And then within the next year, uh, I remember that very, uh, we, we, we had Welcome to Planet Earth going on. And I'll never forget that Ronald Reagan immediately blamed Jimmy Carter that we weren't prepared. Uh, there was two, just like now, where the Pentagon has much more money under uh, Trump building up the armed forces, and he always accuses, uh, they just got into this whole thing last week, you know, that under uh, President Barack Obama and Vice President Biden, they weren't giving the Pentagon all the ships, and now we have the Space Force and more nuclear things and more money going into the Pentagon. They, they were crowing about that, different speakers uh, before the president, and he himself said that too. Again, they let, you know, our predecessors let us down. They didn't, they don't care about the military. Uh, we do, they don't, and so on. So all these different accusations. But here's the big thing. So what, what's 19 years after 1982? 2001, the summer of 2001, we get another new moon. And here's the other thing that's so important about this degree, 27 plus a cancer. That was on President Kennedy's Saturn, but that's exactly opposite the United States Pluto. And the way this connects up to President Trump is that Vesta, the asteroid Vesta at his inauguration 2017 was the lone retrograde planet at his inauguration at the bottom of the chart at 27 plus of Cancer, opposing all these other planets, in particular at the top. And I mentioned this in another podcast. It was an astrologer who was raving, wow, you know, President Trump is coming into power. There's nothing retrograde, but she wasn't working with the asteroids, the four main asteroids, which I, I work with all the time. And Vesta has to do with safety and security. It has to do with soul sisters. It has a lot to do with secret organizations, it, all kinds, uh, and occult organizations and so on. So I'll have more to say about Vesta and I did two podcasts about um, about Vesta, the Vesta Covenant that connects up the United States, unfortunately, to Germany back in uh, the 1930s and the 1940s when Vesta is negative. The, all the asteroids, all the planets can be positive. They can be middle of the road. They can also be negative. It all depends on how people and people in power and groups in power and country uh, administrations misuse celestial energy or use it well. So this, these degrees, uh, Pluto's going to be coming back three times to 27 plus a Capricorn. Uh, President Kennedy was born with Saturn above at 27 plus of Cancer, exactly opposite that. A total solar eclipse hits his Saturn in the 10th house of the high point of a person's life. And then he's struck down November 22nd, 1963, when when Chiron is not moving at 10 of Pisces, where this full moon is about to happen. And again, we're going to get into 10 of Virgo in a big way in a moment. I've already mentioned George W. Bush has Mars, whether I mentioned it or not, George W. Bush, born July 6, 1946, his Mars is at 10 of Virgo. And as we'll see, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is 10 of Virgo. That's what I will explain. 1600 can be reduced down through multiples of 360 degrees in geometry to get to a number in the zodiac. This is how I will explain how to do that. And if you go to Great Bear Enterprises and you go to our where the charts are uh, in the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section, you may not be able to make it out, but I'm going to have an image of 
two pages, one of the title of the Zodiac Address by Mark Lerner, which was on page 20th of the Aquarius 1995 Planet Earth magazine. And the second page will have kind of a listing in bold of Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and their numbers and so on. And then there'll be a picture of the moon and the Great Bear, uh, which is our logo, the seven stars of Great Bear, because that's the business I established uh, a long time ago at the start of everything, Great Bear Enterprises, and a facsimile of the White House. And you won't be able to easily see it, but there's a flag flying with the number 1600, and under that is 10 Virgo. And of course, that's the whole thing that we're going to get into in a moment, the zodiac address of any residence, any place, any apartment, a business office, famous places that have a number Everything has a Zodiac address. And remember, they've just, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is one of the most famous named addresses in the world. And that that degree is 10 of Virgo. So I'm giving you kind of the end story here, and, and we're going to plunge into it in a moment. But George W. Bush, one of the three presidents born in the summer of 46, now I've connected back to JFK because it was 29 years after JFK was born, not only does George W. Bush have the sun right on the United States sun from July 4th, 1776, but George W. Bush happened to have Mars of the 360 degrees in his chart at 10 degrees of Virgo. So as he goes into the White House, which has that degree, what happens? 911, Osama bin Laden, supposedly 17 of the 19 people on the um, who hijacked, who crashed the planes, uh, they were supposedly Saudi Arabians. Okay, and Osama bin Laden is a Saudi Arabian, but he wasn't living there and operating eventually between Afghanistan and Pakistan. And this is a whole other issue of which is embedded in too many things that we can't talk about, about why Saudi Arabia is still a, a friend of the United States. And it has a lot to do with Saudi Arabia versus Iran, what's happening in the Middle East and the Crusades and Christianity versus Islam and so many other things so many other things that cannot even be talked about here. But what can be talked about is astrology. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is the address of the White House. And as we'll see, that's 10 degrees of Virgo. And George W. Bush was born July 6, 1946, and he does have Mars at 10 of Virgo. And the part of fortune at the speech of American royalty, the synthesis of sun, moon, and rising, and I timed it exactly, is at 10 of Virgo. So the part of fortune is it a, a part of fortune and a path of happiness for this president? Because that's also the degree of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and no other person has ever used the White House in a political way to create a kind of monarchical vibration. So that's where we're leading to all this. The one other thing to say, we're gonna, I'm gonna read the Zodiac Address article and there is a whole lot more <laughs> to some of these things. At the end, I'm also going to read from the Astrological Mandala, the degree from Dane Rudger in the reinterpretation of what's called the Sabian Symbols. As many of you may know, every degree of the Zodiac has a certain power in your own charts, whether it's sun, moon, different planets in certain, not just signs, but degrees of the Zodiac. This phenomenal book that Dane Rudger wrote as a compendium or, or uh, a reinterpretation of what's called the Sabian Symbols by his associate, who was older, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones. Uh, it all came out of um, a psychic named Elsie Wheeler in 1924 in the summer, um, a, a psychic experience between Dr. Mark Edmund Jones and Elsie Wheeler in San Diego, and using flashcards or uh, index cards 
um, each degree of the zodiac was given an interpretation. It's a phenomenal part of astrology. It's been used by many astrologers, not all of them, but many of them who work more with images and uh, psychic sensitivity uh, and imagination in particular. And then Dane Rudger wrote this extraordinary book, An Astrological Mandala, paperback. You can, you can go to Amazon or wherever and get it, The Cycle of Transformations, and it's 360 symbolic phases. And uh, I don't know, there may be a hardcover, but it's got to be still out there. Uh, it's one of the extraordinary things. And therefore, you can wind up looking up your sun symbol, your moon symbol, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, different positions, your rising degree, if you know your time of birth. And it's a whole other experience. So this fits into the zodiac address. The, the last point I want to make, though, from the standpoint of political parties, because I think this is important. If anybody is listening and you're more of a Republican or you're a Trump supporter, you, you got to listen to me on this point, okay? you got to give me credit for, for looking at this. I don't mean personal credit. I mean the awareness of what I'm about to say. If Barack Obama, right, in 2012 against Mitt Romney, did what this president just did, pandemic or not, made a decision. Remember, Barack Obama is a sun sign Leo. I will talk more about the election between him and John McCain. It's an amazing story about what happened in 2008. And that's for another podcast in the near future when I'm going to be sharing about the election. So I'll leave all that. There's an extraordinary story there. But the previous president that this president is so against has his son in Leo, just like Bill Clinton. So both of these people who were accused by the Republicans of being too powerful too king-like in their attitudes. That was the approach of Republicans. And remember that the Republicans didn't have their power. Uh, they didn't have the Senate. At the beginning of the Clinton administration, there was the revolution of 1994. Newt Gingrich taking over, in particular in the House, I shouldn't say the Senate, but the, the House turned Republican in 1994 after a lot of missteps of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And that was a revolution that really messed up a lot of the Clinton, the dual Clinton agenda. Remember the whole thing of you're getting two for one, you're getting Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Well, the Republicans hated that. So you had a revolution in a sense, two years, uh, not even two years, a, a year and three quarters after Bill Clinton took the oath of office. And the other thing to remember is Bill Clinton never had 50% of the vote. Remember Ross Perot, that first election was... Uh, well, not to get into the whole thing, but after George Bush number one, who wound up, as I had been writing Welcome Planet Earth, like we shouldn't elect this guy because his son, George Bush number one, is on the United States Mars. Then we have the whole Persian Gulf War number one after Saddam Hussein seizes Kuwait. And this leads eventually to his own son becoming president during the 911 time period and the things that happened there. And again, the other astounding thing, we're about to have Jupiter and Saturn come together for the first time in 20 years. And the last time that happened was Bush versus Gore in that 36-day standoff, which the Supreme Court decided five to four, and which still is really completely controversial because of the hanging chads in Florida being declared for Gore, then going back to neutral by the press, and then going over to Bush and what happened there. So there's all that controversy from the last Jupiter-Saturn cycle that links us back up to the Bush family and the Clinton connection with Gore. And now it's 20 years later. And again, we've got President Trump who links back to both Bill Clinton and Bush for 1946 and JFK 
because of the the uh, 29 year cycle to 19, uh, 1917 when JFK was born. So I just wanted, uh, when I just said, I didn't mean to say, hey, give me credit. It's only, I don't want personal credit. It's just an awareness. If if Barack Obama had come down with um, his wife and their kids at a festooned uh, kind of situation from the balcony as if you can watch, go on YouTube and watch the proceedings of August 27th with Ivanka introducing her father and then the king and queen, in a sense, coming down and everything at the White House that has never happened before. Imagine Barack Obama doing that in 2012 against Mitt Romney and saying, hey, let's just do it at the White House. What are they going to do about it? And then the Republicans and conservatives like shouting impeachment like he can't do that it's against the hatch act against all the rules of course that would have been that's eight years ago but now um because this president was not a politician doing his own thing in his own way and going against subpoenas and so on he's allowed to just do it it's like nobody utters a peep so just imagine barack obama trying to do that and michelle obama that they're coming down as king and queen with their two daughters walking down the carpets with the American flags going, hundreds of people on the South Lawn, signs, uh, political signs, Obama, Biden, 2012. What would be this response of, of Romney? What, what would the Republicans be shouting? You know what it would have been. So you look at it from that side, or go back to say LBJ um, and Humphrey running against Goldwater after the Kennedy assassination and the, the whole thing of rush to judgment and the Warren Commission report and all the advertising against Goldwater going to create a nuclear war and let's say LBJ during that summer uh, deciding, hey, I'm going to just be at the White House here after the death of President Kennedy and doing things with civil rights and other kinds of things. Well, civil rights didn't come until a little later, but him taking over from the fall and slain leader of JFK, what if he had decided to do some kind of ornate thing? He had always wanted LBJ to be president of the United States. And that was also in the summer of 64 when the Gulf of Tonkin incident, we didn't know it had been an incident, we started um, building up all those hundreds of thousands of troops for the Vietnam War, which was part of something that was, was uh, not accurate. Um, it was something that was dubious through things that we know are connected to hidden, hidden parts of our government. So a lot of these truths eventually come out. So imagine Democrat, even even um, uh, uh, President Carter, who who of course would not have ever done that, but imagine him and Rosalind. Remember Billy Carter with, and then there was Amy Carter. What if they had decided um, in a close election against Ford after all the uh, the sordid happenings and the tapes uh, with Watergate and how Nixon had failed the country? and had to resign. And then Ford came in after Spiro Agnew also had committed um, crimes and was removed. And then Ford, Gerald Ford, the minority leader of the Republican Party uh, from Michigan, became was the vice president. And then he took over for Nixon in August of 1974. By the way, on that date, when Nixon resigned, the sun, excuse me, Saturn transited exactly the sun at 13 plus of cancer in the United States birth chart for the Declaration of Independence. One of the ways in which the U.S. chart was rectified 
by Barry Lyons, um, a colleague of ours, um, because of the exact timing of Nixon um, resigning and Gerald Ford taking over the presidency. But that then two years later, Ford loses and uh, to Jimmy Carter in a close election. Uh, this is when I was already in Europe and I was about to go to Findhorn and live in the Findhorn community. Um, that's another story I'll tell about the connection to the Jimmy Carter Ford election. But imagine a Jimmy Carter and a Rosalind Carter with the brother Billy Carter, who was who was not exactly somebody that was very uh, in keeping with some of the moral and ethical um, things going on uh, under Jimmy Carter as the governor from Georgia, who came somewhat out of nowhere to win that uh, 1976 election, become president in 1977, have only one term in office. So again, or if Clinton, who um, who had defeated George Herbert Walker Bush, let's say against Dole in 1996 before the Monica Lewinsky uh, uh, scandal, you know, was revealed and happened. Uh, if Bill Clinton as a son signed Leo um, with Al Gore, um, suddenly, hey, we're all coming down uh, from the White House um, because by this point, um, uh, we'd had some different things that had happened that had given uh, Bill Clinton a stronger uh, victory over Bob Dole. He had he never got 50% of the vote. He got, I think it was 49% against Dole, who was a weak candidate. In, uh, he had, Dole had been the vice presidential candidate in, in, uh, uh, in uh, excuse me, 1976 when Ford lost. Uh, Dole was on the ticket as vice president with Gerald Ford. And then it was 20 years later that Robert Dole ran as a presidential candidate for the Republican Party and Ross Perot got less of the vote. Bill Clinton got more, but he never got 50% of the vote. So he was a less than 50% uh, majority person. Now, of course, Gore actually won more popular votes than uh, George W. Bush. And of course, last time, unless you believe the president of the United States, the current president, Hillary Clinton got about three more million popular votes than he did, but of course he won the Electoral College. So um, I wanted to bring up this juxtaposition and uh, I didn't know, I knew that this was going to be complex and there was a, a, a lot for me to share. And I guess we're at, I don't even know at this point, I think we're almost at two hours. So this is going to be a little long, but it's not going to be the longest podcast that I've ever done. So now I'm going to read you the actual Zodiac address and you'll see how this all fits together. And if you're still hanging in there with me, you can see the giant pieces of the puzzle. That's why some of these things are challenging. I, I want to remind you, go to Earth Aquarius News. At some point, make sure you read The Wound That Never Heals, America's Turning Point of the 20th Century about the assassination of President Kennedy. Read um, the story in there, Iris on Sedna at Donald Trump's inaugural for 2017, and the charts and the information about uh, uh, Sedna and Iris, and listen to these different podcasts that I've been talking about to see the charts like for presidential power in the astrology of Mars retrograde and the coronavirus ones and the Vesta 2 podcast um, to learn more about Vesta in particular and it's linked to safety and security and it can be negative. And there's just so many of these different podcasts that are all coming together and definitely read the global hotspot complimentary section for the last, the Leo new moon of August 18, and now this new one that I just did for September 1 and 2, where the sun and moon are opposite at 10 plus Virgo 
and 10 plus Pisces. But today, as I'm doing this, remember the sun once a year, nine plus a Virgo just happens to be occurring right now. That is the equivalent of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the address of the most powerful place in the world of the White House is 10 of Virgo. George W. Bush was born with Mars at that position. The part of fortune that just happened at this American royalty question mark, the part of fortune, the main part from Arabic astrology that is being used more than any other part, the part of fortune, nine plus Virgo, when President Trump started speaking, which is the horary moment, the moment of that energy of what all that represented at the culmination of what happened at the White House. Okay, and then I've got the book, An Astrological Mandala, so we'll close with that. So here's the story, the Zodiac Address. This is a reprint with some major additions from our Cancer 1985 edition due to its popularity as shared again. So I had forgotten, so this was in the Aquarius 1995 issue, the Zodiac Address. But originally, it came in the summer of 1985. Well, 1985 is 35 years ago that I first shared about this. So here we go. Every location that has a number attached to it has a corresponding zodiacal quality and vibration. And that's in bold. Um, so that I'm adding now, but that's in the article. That's how it starts. Every location that has a number attached to it has a corresponding zodiacal quality and vibration. There are 360 degrees in the zodiac, and each zodiacal sign has 30 such degrees. 30 degrees times 12 equals 360 degrees. Now, in a moment, I will explain how you work with the system to totally change your life for the better, make you much happier emotionally, and vastly change your success quotient. But first, let us go back in time a few thousand years. Several thousand years before the advent of the Christian era, the Chaldean high priests of Babylonia invented the idea of 360 degrees in a circle, astrological space, and led us to our time notations all based on the number six, 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute, 24 hours, or two plus four equals six, 24 hours in a day, 24 time zones around the earth. The ancient mind did not think of numbers as an infinite arithmetic linear sequence or progression. The higher minds of those days realized, with a little help from the divine worlds, that all number sequence was cyclical. And this corresponded to the idea of the earth being round and the cyclical harmonies of the planets, the sun, moon, monthly cycle, etc. Look at the chart below. The question is, and the chart is on page 20 of the Zodiac Address. And it shows sunrise to the left, sunset to the right, noon above, midnight. And it shows what would look like a, um, a six-pointed star, the ancient kind of Seal of Solomon, Star of David, as well as these other points of the chart so that you see 12 different points. But sunrise is to the left, sunset is to right, midnight is down below, noon is above. And by the way, I'm just adding this now. When you look at a chart, it's opposite from a map of the United States. If you think of the map of the United States, the eastern seaboard is always on the right when you look at it, correct? When you look at the left, you see the west coast. But the way astrology really works, you have to imagine that when you're born, in a sense, 
the whole idea of the stork bringing the baby down the chimney, imagine that as a family or in a hospital, a baby is coming in, imagine a, a, an airplane or a spaceship coming from the North Pole and coming down and dropping down a baby uh, from above downward, then, then left, if you're coming in from the North Pole, going through Canada, think of the United States, and the baby comes through the chimney, let's say, that whole idea of the stork, then left, left is east, right is west. Okay, so we have often a whole skewed thing, how we look at the earth. Also, northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, that we're up and the southern hemisphere is down. There is no up and down. That's our perspective, the way that maps are drawn. You're living in the southern hemisphere, you could just as easily say we're up, they're down. So this whole thing of north and south, very interesting. But there is a reason why the left point of the chart is sunrise and the right is sunset when we might tend to think why isn't sunrise on the right side of the chart which we think of as east in the united states whereas the west coast is on the left so it's the country looking at the map wrong we need to look at it from above coming down from the north pole through canada and looking at the united states upside down that would give us the true understanding of why a chart has on the left side the rising sign in the east so it's it sounds weird, like why people just say, oh, the rising sun, it's on the left. It's like, doesn't make any sense. It does when you think about the earth as a whole. Okay, so look at the chart below. The question is, how did the Chaldean astrologer priests develop and visualize their celestial numerology? First, by simply noting the solar day-night cycle. There were four basic turning points of the day, sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight. Sunrise and sunset are obviously related in consciousness more readily than, say, sunrise and noon. Secondly, to unify these polarities, the astrologer priests took two triangles, the trinity, one representing heavenly power and the other earthly power, and starting then at either horizon or meridian, created a star of David or seal of Solomon. This is the well-known image of two equal interlaced triangles, actually a magical merging of two polarized ends of one axis. Two of these six-pointed stars create the basic astrological chart uh, pattern familiar to us today, a celestial frame of reference encompassing the divine secrets of time and space. Notice how this 12-fold pattern to record the visual movements of the sun doubles as our clock with 12 hours that repeats twice in 24 hours to record both daytime and nighttime solar motions. Interestingly enough, since we're about to speak of the zodiac address as pertaining to our home life, even the 12 houses of our astrological charts were once known as domiciles. Domicile carries the meaning of house of God. Also note the connection with the dome of the sky symbolizing the circle of the sky vault reflected down into earthly life. Many tribes and ancient cultures would not build a village of houses, tents, or huts before first protecting the entire area with a magical circle. The circle is a symbol of wholeness, integration, and numbers are an inner, inherent part of this at-one-ment. This is just skimming the surface of ancient metaphysics, but at least points us in the direction that numbering is cyclical rather than linear. Note how our number sequence goes from 1 to 9, then 10 is simply 1 plus a 0 or 1 again. 11 is 1 plus 1, which equals 2, and so on to 18, which equals 9, followed by 19, which is 1 plus 9, or 10, 
equal to one again. Numbers repeat in quality, although they seem to extend infinitely in quantity. And that's that was in bold. Finally, consider the reverence focused upon Jupiter and Saturn by the ancient Chaldeans. These two giant planets were known as the chronicraters of the solar system, the balance wheels of time and space, time related to Saturn, Jupiter to um, time related to Saturn, Jupiter to space. As just every 20 years, they conjoined Jupiter and Saturn, and every 60 years, they returned to a conjunction in the sky very close to where they had met 60 years before. The small difference zodiacally in 60 years amounted to about 9 degrees, so that after 40 conjunctions, 9 degrees times 40 equals 360, Jupiter conjoined Saturn in, exact, in almost exactly the same place in the sky every 794 years. This was and still is known as the Great Mutation, and as a point of reference, that's what I've been talking about earlier to, in this podcast and in many other podcasts about Jupiter and Saturn now going into the air elements for about 180 plus years, starting December 21. Um, the last article, the last podcast, The Dawning of the Age of Aquarius, I had the chart 22 years ago in Welcome Planet Earth for what's about to happen on December 21. That was in that ma our magazine, Jupiter-Saturn merging December 21 at zero plus of Aquarius. So here we have another reference in this magazine from 19 1995, which really is a reprint from 1985 to show you that we were covering this. Uh, okay, back to the story. Could this 60-year cycle, five Jupiter cycles around the zodiac of 12 years each, and two Saturn cycles of about 30 years each, coordinate back to why 60 minutes was chosen for the hour? If this be so, then certainly it is conceivable that address numbers could be cyclical and related to the 12 divisions of our zodiacal sky dome. Now think about these possibilities. Your career may be totally held in check and frustrated because of the address of your workplace. For some of you, it would be better to leave your present job and find another location which fits in much better with your birth chart. Your marriage, partnership, family situation may also be disintegrating or seriously deficient due to a zodiacal address that you just can't handle. For instance, perhaps you are living at a Scorpio address and you are born with Mars conjoined Saturn in that sign. Ouch! Get out of that Scorpio address and perhaps move to an address more harmonious with your Venus and sensitive Cancer or your Sun-Mercury conjunction earthy material oriented Taurus. People in partnerships can certainly study their charts and perhaps those of their children and find a good zodiacal influence that helps and heals for the highest good. Your creative potential may be blocked as well as your money-making capacity simply because of a poor zodiacal address. There are many ways of having the zodiacal address work for you rather than against you. The first step is waking up to its reality and definite influence. Unless you are an expert on your birth chart or astrology in general, it is best to start looking at this in simple terms. Ask yourself a basic question. In what areas of my life do I experience a great frustration? Career, relationship, money resources, self-expression, creative artistry, home family. The zodiacal address, along with other sound techniques, astrological and otherwise, can get you moving in the right direction. I can verify the extraordinary power of the zodiacal address in my own recent life. Remember, this goes back into the 80s. 
Just before our family moved to the Madison, Middleton, Wisconsin area, we were living in Amherst, Massachusetts. After our second daughter was born in late June 1981, I landed a job as assistant manager of a restaurant. I had had restaurant kitchen management experience during my years at Fintorn in Northern Scotland, and now suddenly I was offered a prime position over several hundred other applicants. It is true that the manager during, doing the hiring had heard of Finhorn, but the other fact was the Zodiac address, Green Street's restaurant located at 8 Green Street. This was, by the way, in Northampton, Massachusetts, the town next to Amherst, we, we, we were living. In my own birth chart, the moon's north node, probably the most sensitive point gateway into my positive, awakened, and conscious future, is located 8 degrees of Aries, so point of reference. This restaurant that I got the job at, it was at 8 Green Street. In my birth chart, I have the north node, the fate destiny point, at 8 degrees of Aries. There's that number. Okay, back to the story. Therefore, any location at or close to 8, or as we shall see, 368, 728, 1088, etc., will be a boon to my consciousness raising. I am also born with magnetic and potentially prosperous Venus located exactly 60 degrees away from the point at away from this point of 8 of Aries at 8 Aquarius. So again, as a point of reference, in your own chart, let's say you have a strategic place. It doesn't have to be 8, it could be any number. And then you have something else in your chart, say in an auspicious 60 degree relationship to that point or 120 degree trying to that point. So there are multiple ways in which something favorable can happen when you're at the right location. So back to the story. Within one day of our family arriving in Middleton, Wisconsin, I was successful in finding an apartment located at 2122-2122 Allen Boulevard. And 2122, when you subtract what are called, we'll see, 360 degree multiples, 2122 works out to be 22 degrees of Aquarius, exactly where Jupiter is at my birth. Jupiter for me and for many millions of others is a function and principle of fortune, opportunity, expansion of assets, good luck, increase. My astrological business grew greatly during our stay here. Each one of us has special signs and special zodiacal points and planets encouraging us to grow. There are also difficult planets and signs and the proper zodiac address can offer us a wealth of assistance in coping with problems. Now, most importantly, how can you figure out your address, work number, and alternatives on your horizon? Look at this chart. So again, I'm going to kind of read the, read these things because it would be hard for you to see it. Aries addresses go from 0 to the number 30 plus 360 degrees and multiples of 360 degrees. Then you'd get Taurus addresses go from 30, the number 30 to 60, plus 360 degrees and multiples of 360. So now just the rest, I will just give you the Gemini cancer zones and then just know that you would add 360 or 720 or 1080. Um, and if you have the high numbers, then you subtract them. So Gemini addresses are all between the number 60 and 90. Cancer um, addresses are between 90 and 120. Leo goes from 120 to 150 of, of those numbers. Virgo goes from 150 to 180 and multiples. That's where we'll get to the, to the 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because if you keep adding 360, 360, and 360, and you keep adding that, that's why it turns out that 1600, which I'll explain in a moment, uh, becomes 10 of Virgo. So 
regular Virgo lower numbers or any number of a, of a house or an apartment or a business between the number 150 and 180. Libra is from 180 to 210. Scorpio is from 210 to 240. Sagittarius from 240 to 270. Capricorn from 270 to 300. Aquarius from 300 to 330. Pisces from 330 to 360. And then Aries again would pick up from 360 to 390. See, on the next turn of the spiral beyond the number 360, 360 to 390, those numbers are, are the same as between 0 and 30. And then you'd go from 390 to 420 with Taurus and so on. So here's how I explain the rest of it. We're sort of more than halfway through the story. All numbers between 0 0.01 and 30.00 are Aries numbers. Likewise, add 360, 720, 1080, 1440, 1800, 2160, 25, 20, 2880, etc. To any number between 0 0.01 and 30.00, you will have the same Aries number. Those numbers, 1080, 720, etc., are considered multiples of 360 or the 360 degrees in the zodiacal circle. All numbers between 210.01 and 240.00 fall under Scorpio. All numbers from 330.01 to 360.00 are Piscean. If someone is living or working at a one-half number, that is important to consider. For instance, 60 and a half State Street works out to Gemini one-half degree or zero degrees plus 30 minutes of Gemini. So something at 60 and a half would be rounded off to the first degree of Gemini. As far as exact degrees are concerned, they are important to note if you know your birth chart and want to move towards a particular planetary function. To reinforce, to reinforce the solar life force, move to an address or work location whose number is as close to your sun degree as possible. If you cannot get an, an address in conjunction with your sun, try a sextile 60 degrees away or a trine 120 degrees away. If Mars and Saturn are locked into an exact 10th square of 90 degrees relationship at your birth, it would be foolhardy to work in a, at an address precisely activating this pattern. If Mars was at 16 degrees Aquarius, number 316 out of 360, and Saturn was at 16 degrees Scorpio, number 226 out of 360, would it make a lot of sense to work at an atomic energy plant located at 316 Radiation Avenue or 226 Destruction Drive? And then I put three question marks. In other words, these numbers, 316, 226, are kind of numbers beyond, um, well, they're basically numbers that would, would be equivalent to Mars at 16 of Aquarius would be the same of uh, what 316 is. And... 226 uh, is where Scor uh, Scorpio would be. So I'm giving you an example of how a square in a chart, say from 16 Aquarius of Mars to 16 Scorpio of Saturn, would be the equivalent of addresses 316 and 226. And you wouldn't want to be in either of those at all because then You'd either be hanging out where your Mars or your Saturn is, and because you'd have Mars squaring Saturn, you'd get sort of the antagonism both. Oh, back to the story. Of course not. You would be definitely asking for a lot of trouble. There is nothing at all wrong with Mars or Saturn, but there are certain powerful patterns at birth 
that can get set off in a destructive manner due to the Zodiac address. For this reason, it is an excellent idea to at least get a clear, accurate printout of your astrological birth date. Progress patterns may be important to watch as well as Zodiac numbers. My colleague, Barry Lyons, who I mentioned earlier, he did an enormous amount of rectification um, back decades ago for the United States birth chart, July 4th, 1776. My colleague, Barry Lyons, who first talked to me about the Zodiac number, told me that astrologer Jeff Jower of Atlanta, Georgia, created or initiated the idea. Everything in this article is based on my own opinions and thoughts. Barry and Jeff may have totally other approaches and insights. Finally, you might consider working with Dane Rogers and an astrological mandala, which I'm going to refer to in a moment. A wonderful paperback which gives symbols and images for every one of the 360 degrees of the zodiac. These symbols may help many of you understand your natal and progressed planetary functions, as well as to give substance to various zodiacal addresses. Obviously, with a little consideration on your part, this approach can dramatically change the course of your life. It's also a fun way of looking at certain businesses, stores, and enterprises. Don't forget the White House located at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. 1600 is reduced to 10 degrees of Virgo. The White House should be a place of purity and perfection in American politics and government, but often it is just the reverse. Try it out. Send us your insights. Famous and unusual addresses. The White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And again, this is from the story originally from 1985 in the summer, then reprinted in our Aquarius 1985 magazine. So I'm reading the end of the story here. Famous and unusual addresses, the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. This becomes equivalent to 160 degrees or 10 degrees Virgo, perhaps suggesting the need for the White House to be a place of efficiency, organization, and clear thinking. Note that transits to an address degree can be extremely meaningful. When President Kennedy was killed November 22, 1963, Uranus, shocks and revolution, was located at 10 degrees of Virgo. Now, let me stop for a second. This was part of my research recently. It's in the chart for President Kennedy's assassination, November 26, 1963. It's part of what's called the Pythagorean Triangle, a very mysterious type triangle of a 90 degree aspect, 120 and 150. And the most exact Pythagorean Triangle I've ever studied in 47 years happened when JFK was murdered. And Uranus, which when you read more about from the Destiny series, has always been considered unfortunately connected, not, it can have to do with radio and television and intu intuition and revolution and change and eccentricity and er erratic energies and things that are iconoclastic and futuristic. There's so many levels of what Uranus can represent. Higher mind, breakthroughs in consciousness, but also breakdowns, radiation, nuclear energy. But Uranus is also a planet that has been, because it, it connects up to shocks and revolution, to events in history of the world where people um, lose their lives through um, revolution or shocking kinds of situations that have happened in American history, a la what, what happened with, with Lincoln and Kennedy and other presidents. So when President, again, to finish the story, when President Kennedy was killed November 22, 1963, Uranus shocks and revolution was located at 10 Virgo, exactly crossing the White House of Diocle de Ring. When FDR died suddenly on April 12, 1945, Uranus was at 10 of Gemini, 
precisely square 10 degrees of Virgo. 10 Downing Street, this is the British Prime Minister's location. It is equivalent to 10 degrees of Aries, suggesting the need for will, courage, independent thinking, leadership. The symbol in, in the astrological mandala is very appropriate. Walt Disney Productions, 500 South Buena Vista, Burbank, California. Now, I don't know if they're still there, but this is where they were back when I wrote this. Walt Disney Productions, 500 South Buena Vista, uh, Burbank, California. This becomes 140 degrees or 20 degrees of Leo, symbolized by Zuni Indians performing a ritual to the sun in an astrological mandala. The description of the degree by Dane Rudyard makes you immediately think of Disneyland and the amazing achievements at Disneyland, um, also Disney World in Orlando, Florida. It is interesting to note that Dow Chemical, connected with production of napalm and other chemicals, is at 2030 Dow Center. Address 20 Scorpio. Exxon, the oil and gas China, is located at 1251 Avenue of the Americas, New York, New York. This equals 171 or 21 Virgo within one degree of the USA Neptune ruling oil slash confusion. The worst oil spill in American history occurred on March 24, 1989 by the tanker Exxon Valdez off the Alaskan coast. Good luck with your research. That ends that story. But for today, I'm going to end with the actual reading of Ten of Virgo. So now as um, Paul Harvey, who I quoted before, a great reporter on radio, used to say, and now you know the rest of the story. And he was a conservative who did his work, um, particularly in the Midwest. So again, a second listening to this, if if warranted, if you have an extra couple of hours, will certainly help. And this is this is a long one. Um, but anyway, here's the um, symbology for ten of Virgo. Remember, this full moon is at ten plus a Virgo and ten plus Pisces. That's the Chiron degree from Pre President Kennedy losing his life November twenty second. It's up within two minutes of arc, one thirtieth of one degree. So there is a resonance between this full moon. 10 plus of Virgo, 10 plus of Pisces, back to the events of President Kennedy uh, when he was slain. But it's also today the sun is at 10 of Virgo, the actual 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue degree. And as I said before, um, I just brought up that Uranus at the death of President Kennedy was at 10 degrees of Virgo, part of a Pythagorean triangle with other planets, Mercury and Jupiter at 10 degrees of Aries and 10 degree of Sagittarius. So there were three planets all impinging upon um, this 10 Virgo area. Uh, one by a trine, another one by 150 degrees, and one by exact conjunction. So three celestial bodies at the death of President Kennedy uh, all were impacting the 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or 10 of Virgo. And now we're seeing again a bringing up of this 10 of Virgo energy. Today, the one day of the whole year, the sun is there, the part of fortune when the American royalty question mark event took place at the White House, something that we have never seen before at a White House, partly due to the pandemic, but partly due to the way the president sees his life, uh, the apprentice, the celebrity apprentice, uh, performing, Leo rising, the drama of life, the way he wants um, the world and the nation to see who he is and what what his family and what he represents in order to get reelected and to express himself on some level, whether right or wrong. So now we've got 10 of Virgo, 
This is what Rudger said as a reinterpretation to the original Sabian symbols from 1924. Here's what I'm just going to read it exactly. Two heads looking out and beyond the shadows. Keynote, the growth of true understanding born out of the transcendence of duality, even while immersed in the world of duality. The mind operates inevitably in the world of conflicts, oppositions, and duality. Yet when the opposites realize that they are complementary aspects of the one reality which sustains and encompasses all dualistic modes of existence, they are able then to look away from internal conflicts and beyond the shadows these conflicts generate. They may come to realize the one consciousness force, not in itself, for this is, if not an impossible, at least an inexpressible experience, but as the creative unity, the new God, Ishvara, source of a new cycle of manifestation. And then Rudyard concludes by saying, this, the 10th the degree of Virgo, is the last stage of the 32nd sequence. It leads us to the new sequence, which deals with the characteristic features of the steadily progressing consciousness in the most critical part along its arduous path toward transformation. In a deep philo philosophical sense, we witness here the mind attempting to jump beyond the very shadow it inevitably casts upon all experiences, i.e. the self-transcending activity of the mind. So that's how the 10th degree of Virgo is expressed by Dane Rudyard. He was my main astrology teacher in terms of books and studies, part of the reason, and I did meet him one time near the end of his life after leaving Fintorn. Um, but I was in correspondence with him and his wife at that time because of the great learning in the classes of the School of Planetary Studies. You'll learn so much from him, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, Evangeline Adams, Eleanor Bach, Alan Leo, Charles Carter, and so many other astrologers. If you decide to sign up in this time period where so many people are, are working from home and studying and getting into things like astrology and metaphysics and other subjects that maybe they thought they'd never have the time. So uh, again, this is uh, Rudyard. What I was going to say is that part of the reason he became my main educational teacher, while Eleanor Bach was my main physical teacher in New York City, and that's where I got tremendous amounts of the feminine side. And I realized only recently that her birthday is my mother's birthday, not the same year, but the same date, Sun in Capricorn. So Early on, um, aside from the great teachers of Alice Bailey, Evangeline Adams, and so many other women, female teachers, Eleanor Bach, born um, January 11th, was born, it turns out, on my mother's birthday, so that I had a maternal figure in the field of astrology. And interestingly enough, that was a location. I don't remember the address, but where I, I and others back in 1973, when she came out with her historic ephemerides of Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, and completely changed, and this is important, a revolution in terms of goddess energy, in terms of sort of restoring the feminine masculine balance to the solar system that had been lost for ages, where only Venus was the main planet and the moon is the Earth's satellite and not always considered to be feminine in certain cultures. And now, unless that's why we've got the four asteroids and Chiron report, and if you don't know your asteroids, if you don't know your Chiron, at least in the natal chart, that is an exceptional report to get into. A lot of people are ordering that, and that would be a good thing to do. So 
this is the story. This is complex. Um, it's not easy to put all this together. And in the in the next wave of um, of a of different podcasts, we're going to be getting into some very fascinating subjects. And I will probably touch back to some of these points of JFK, of the links between uh, JFK, Bush number one, and uh, Donald Trump as the only three Gemini sun sign presidents, as I've shared in the in the Mars retrograde particular podcast. Their charts are so connected to the birth of the country when our, our Mars and Uranus were in Gemini. We never had sun sign Gemini presence till JFK, and now we've had three of them in the last 60 years. So this is a very important kind of thing of, of the influence of Gemini and our tendency under these presidents to become involved with strife, whether uh, on different levels, a war, a potential war, almost nuclear war in one case, um, two Persian Gulf Wars with between a father and a son, President Bush one and two, and now um, 2020 with a war against a pandemic, um, a, a new civil war politically, emotionally, um, financially, um, stratifying the whole country socially, racially, uh, historically, um, hearkening back. We hear the president talking a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and things like that. And um, that all, every time one, one talks about Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War, it's impossible not to bring up John F. Kennedy. And um, I will have more revelations about um, the whole parallels and the ironic and also synchronistic historical patterns of 100 years apart that um, have been reported over the, over the decades about the similarities and so on. But at another point, I will get more into other connections to these areas of 10 of Pisces and 10 of Virgo and other degree placements that um, I never fully explored uh, even back uh, 40 years ago when I first got into this and, and did the uh, JFK assassination chart and so many other things. But again, on Earth Aquarius news in that section at Great Bear Enterprises, you can get some phenomenal reading which is complimentary. There's our, also our Astro Business Keys, which is complimentary with the keynotes and uh, themes of all the sun, the moon, the eight planets, the four main asteroids, Chiron, um, the complimentary global hotspots. As I said, uh, please do listen to those important uh, global hotspot of the Leo new moon from August 18th and the one that is coming out now for September 1-2, the Virgo Pisces uh, full moon. So Next time, podcast 62. Thank you very much. It's actually not that long. It looks like two, two hours and 18 minutes. I'm laughing because I have done three plus hour podcasts. So uh, it's not too bad. It's, uh, I guess, if one could be on a plane flight or a fairly good sized movie that's not a Lord of the Rings movie, uh, two plus hours, not too bad. Um, but I hope um, you've learned some things. And I always try and share views to go back to your own chart. And we do have all of these resources um, available, the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, the app for iOS and Android. And it's free if you just want to do one day at a time. But if you want to get into a week into the future, two weeks into the future, three weeks, and you subscribe, then you're going to be able to learn more about what's happening so many days into the future and be able to select using what we call election astrology to have meetings at auspicious times, Venus trying Mars, Moon conjunct Venus, and so on. Uh, when, when planetary alignments are 
fortuitous versus the days and time periods when there are challenges like squares or a whole abundance of challenging aspects. So that's the advantage of subscribing to the cosmic calendar. And then you also get back into the intrinsic nature of who you really are. We're all walking cosmic calendar energies, moments of time frozen that we then unfold, I believe, not just through fate, but through free will and learning to utilize transits and progressions and other systems and things that I'm talking about here, like Zodiac Address, which is a whole new world for many people. A lot of people didn't know even about astrolocality that you can move your chart and you have different rising sign or setting signs. That's been a whole new world uh, for 30 to 40 years. Astrolocality was originally called astrocartography, but locality analysis. So many of these new systems, the software programs, they give us all kinds of inspiration, but at the same time, before all of this, these software, the work of astrologers of my epoch, and before that, th this would take hours of, of using tables of houses and ephemerides and making sure the planets that we did have, and in the, in the early days, we didn't have Chiron, we didn't have Sedna, we didn't have Eris, we didn't have um, these other outer planets, and many of these centaurs beyond Chiron, Shariklo, Folos, other asteroids that a lot of astrologers using. We've got fixed stars, we've got midpoints. There's so many different systems that are now populating charts. So I will leave it at that. Uh, many healing blessings to all of you. Uh, please stay in touch. Um, sign up for our newsletters at Great Bear Enterprises. Go visit there on the web. And I hope you do decide to not just put the app on your phone of Astrology Cosmic Calendar, calendar with a K, and have the free one day at a time information, but it really is to your advantage to get into that cosmic calendar energy of what's ahead for several weeks. And it's the only place in the world where you can then do the subscription at a very low cost and then be a future uh, astrology watcher and go more than today, go tomorrow, the next day, a week from now, two weeks from now, and um, enjoy that whole process and enjoy the complimentary features on our website. And of course, as I said, I don't like marketing. Uh, it's never been something that I like to do. Um, but at this particular point in time, there are so many um, opportunities to do things that are not all that expensive to whether it's astrology reports. They are computerized, but a lot of them are brilliantly designed. And as long as you do know your birth time or have that on a birth certificate or reasonably accurate, these astrology reports at a low cost can give you all kinds of information about transits and progressions. And there are samples in the astrology shop for every single report with famous people. So you don't have to order anything uh, until you look at it and see if that kind of interpretation is something that is warranted and can help you. So many blessings, like I said, and thank you for listening. And the next couple of podcasts, we're, we're nearing the elections and the inauguration, and that will be a multi-part series. So gear up to that, get your seatbelts on, because there's going to be a tremendous amount of information coming down the pike about not only that, but the Jupiter-Saturn mutation cycles and their big conjunction, December 21, and what's ahead um, for the country and the world with major planetary cycles in the near future. Bye for now.